Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris and I am your host. In this podcast, Making Disciples, we explore themes around discipleship. Sometimes we challenge them head on, sometimes we go look at them from another angle, sometimes we do it with an interview, and today it's going to be me talking. I want to explore a theme uh, with you, and I've entitled this theme, How to Make Your Life Count as a Follower of Jesus. We want to know, am I making a difference? When I was a kid, there was a song by a band called Delirious, and the song was, I'm going to be a history maker. And this song was so powerful. Uh, my generation sung this. I'm going to be a history maker. I'm going to be a history maker. Unfortunately, for, for many of us, we then hit our mid-20s. We then hit our 30th birthday, 35th birthday, and our 40th birthday. And really, have we become these history makers that we had been promised? And there's a danger that we look at our lives, therefore, and say, well, I've actually not made masses of impact in my life. I've not really made history. I'm not a politician. I'm not leading some great movement. Therefore, I'm not doing this incredible thing that God had called me to when I was younger. I've been a history maker. But actually, each and every one of us are called not to be history makers, but to simply live out our lives in such a way uh, that we are bringing Jesus each day into the world. So, how to make your life count as a follower of Jesus. It's possible to be a follower of Jesus and, and to have a life that doesn't make any impact, doesn't count. How do we make sure that we are living our lives in our workplaces, as we travel, uh, either on the bus or when we catch a plane to go on a holiday? Every interaction that we might have uh, becomes a place where we make a difference for him. We're just living something different. So here we go. I'm going to explore this theme with us today. How to make your life count as a follower of Jesus. I, I hope you find this helpful. I hope you find it inspiring. Please do share, like this podcast, tell people about it. But here we go. How to make your life count as a follower of Jesus. So here we go. Let's jump right in. How to make your life count as a follower of Jesus. If you don't have Jesus in your life or you don't have faith, then it's possible that life can become about getting to death safely. If you don't have Jesus as a part of your framework, then life becomes about getting to that point where you retire, and then eventually you die of old age as safely, as painlessly as possible. Now, Mother Teresa, she is said to have said this. Don't live life getting to heaven safely. She says, hop, skip and jump. And I love that. There's a danger that we can live our lives in safety and in comfort trying to make it stretch out as long as we can, living as less dangerously as possible. And I love this joyfulness, she says here. Don't live like that, where you're just trying to get to heaven safely. Hop, skip, jump. It's, you know, live life with a joy. Live life with a vibrancy. Live dangerously a little. You know, hop, skip, jump. 
uh, live life in such a way uh, that it's not about being safe, but it's about uh, having life to the full. You know, John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness. That's what God is after for you and I, living our lives and, and, and living it more than just joyfully, living it in a risk-taking way where we really enjoy all of what God has for us. In safety, we can miss out on the amazing things that God has for us. So I'm going to talk through four things today, four things on how to make your life count as a follower of Jesus. So number one, first, first is this, walk humbly with God. Micah 6.8, it's one of my favourite, all-time favourite Bible passages, uh, because it just clearly states what it is that God is looking for in us. God has shown you, it says, oh mortal, what is good? God has shown you, in other words, what is after for your life. He says this, what does the Lord require of you or ask of you? But to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So my first, how to make your life count. Number one, I'd say this, walk humbly with God. Walk humbly with God. How you choose to walk with God is really important. And uh, I just want you to uh, cast your mind back to the last time you were in the park or the last time you were in the shopping centre or the supermarket. And I want to talk about children for a moment. There are some children who walk with their hand in the hand of their parent and they will walk with their parent as the parent takes them on a journey. And you know, maybe we'll get to the road edge and the child will stand there holding the parent's hand, waiting for the parent to say, right, now, now time to cross the road. And they're walking humbly and carefully with this adult. That's one child. Friends, that was never me. That was never me and it was never my son, Isaac. My son, Isaac, and I was exactly the same. So I'm not criticizing him at all. I'm talking about me when I tell this story. But my son, Isaac, was never the kind of child that would like to hold your hand. He wanted to run. He wanted to run around. You'd go to the park and he would be off. He did not want to walk at the pace that I wanted to walk. And we ended up having to buy a set of reins. And, you know, the kind of thing that you put on your child, you put their two arms through, it clips at the front. And a little bit like a dog, the child is now on a rein and you can keep hold of them. So you'd be walking down the road and he'd be, he'd be trying to run. And then whenever he went too close to the edge, you'd pull him back on the reins. Friends, that's very much what I was like as a child. And do you know what? That's very much what I am like when it comes to God. Let me be honest with you here. God longs for me to walk humbly with him hand in hand. He takes me on the journey. He walks me on the path. I walk at God's speed, not my speed. We go in God's direction, not my direction. That's what God wants. What actually happens is I love to go off and do the, my own thing. And I go in the opposite direction. I'll run far too fast. I will walk far too slow. I'm going to run into the road, into danger, then complain that he didn't save me. I don't walk humbly with God very often. I don't know what you're like. Very often, I'm walking with God frustrated. And I'm telling God what I think he should be doing and where we should be going. But the call of a disciple is to be somebody who walks humbly uh, with our God. And I love that idea of the child walking with the parent. 
How do you walk with God? Do you walk hand in hand? Do you walk alongside him? Do you pull back a little bit? Do you walk a little bit faster than him? Or are you like me? You're just all over the place. And you, you want to walk with God. You want to work with him. You want to hold his hand. But actually, your character is quite rebellious. And you want to do it your way at your speed and your, your know-how. I regularly have to bring myself back to this passage. This passage to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I regularly have to come back and say, God, no, out of uh, my own heart, I'm going to do my own thing. I need to work out humility and walking with you where I recognise that you truly know best. So first, how to make your life count. Number one, walk humbly with God. Because when you're walking humbly with God, you can come to two. Two, to make your life count, pray for God's supernatural involvement. When we're walking humbly with God and we're working with him and we know the direction of our lives, we're able to now start pray, praying to God about his supernatural involvement. And prayer is not just about shopping lists. It's not about saying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. Prayer is about tapping into uh, this dynamic power at the heart of the universe, this dynamic, life-giving, relational energy. And when we pray, we get to pray to a supernatural God for God's supernatural involvement in our lives. So let me just read this. This is from Exodus 3, 7 to verse 8. Let me show And then the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up and out of, uh, of that land into a, a land that is good and spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God has heard the cry of the oppressed. He's heard the cry of his people. And through his supernatural power, he's now going to lead his people into a place that is spacious and it's flowing with milk and honey. I do not believe in the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says if you've got God in your life, there will only be good things. Friends, that is not my experience. And it's also not a good interpretation of what the Bible says. Jesus does say, if you walk with me, then there will come persecution and hardships. Okay, You can't have both prosperity and hardships. Uh, we're not in the way it's often taught anyway. Praying to a supernatural God for his supernatural involvement. What we have here is a group of people crying out to God for the slave drivers that are oppressing them. God hears the cry of the oppressed. And he promises them through his supernatural power to bring them to a spacious land. Let's talk about this as spacious. Most of our lives feel busy and they feel cluttered and they feel overwhelmed. Why is it that when we go for a walk in the country or we go to a park where there's a big open space, we're able to breathe out? Oh, what's happening there just in the physical realm when we walk into a spacious place is we can breathe out. We can breathe in a different rhythm of life. The same is happening in the spiritual realms here, that God is leading them to a spacious land, a place where they can walk, uh, they can breathe, 
They can see the sky and the clouds. They can look up where there's no clutter. God is in the business of doing this to us spiritually, taking us to a place where we can truly experience the spaciousness of God. So how do we make our lives count? We pray to God and we allow him to bring us to that spacious place. And then he says a spacious place that is flowing with milk and honey. Flowing with milk and honey. This is a blessing. Now, it's a blessing in the terms of its food for our bellies and it's it's uh, in, engaging with our thirsts. But it's a, also a spiritual thing, a spacious land where it's flowing with God's provision. If we want our lives to count, we have to walk with God and we need to receive in prayer all of what God has for us. So often we want our lives to count so we work harder. We want our lives to count so we do things harder. We try to become saviours to everyone and end up becoming saviours to no one because we burn ourselves out. So to make our lives count, we need to become people who are praying to God for God's supernatural involvement in our lives. The only thing that saves anyone is Jesus. The only thing that will save anyone is God's work in their lives. And we can only do that and see that when God's at work in our lives. So first, walk humbly with God. Second, pray to God for God's supernatural involvement. Three, once we've been praying for God's supernatural involvement, if we want to make our lives count, we need to care for others. If you want your life to make a difference, we need to turn our lives from being lives that are focused on self and turn it into a life that's focused on others. So Hebrews 13, 16. Do not forget to do good, to share with others, for which such sacrifices God is pleased. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with this such sacrifices God is pleased. It's too easy to build up storehouses. It's too easy to have fridges filled full of food. It is too easy to have bank accounts that have more than what we need. It's too easy to have time on our hands and not use any of it uh, to bring about good and care in the lives of others. Now, many of us, we are time poor. And when it comes to finances, we don't have tons of it. So we think we don't have much. So from a position of deficit, I don't have much time, I don't have much money, I don't have much resources. We end up thinking of ourselves as paupers. We are not paupers. In no way are we paupers. God has blessed us in abundance, not just with our spiritual journeys, but with uh, a gratitude in our hearts. So with this in mind, we care for others. Do not forget to do good and share with others for which such sacrifices God is pleased. Uh, many of us, friends, know our rights, but we don't know our responsibilities. We know our rights. It is my right to. It's my right to have safety. It's my right to uh, have a holiday. It's my right to say what I want when I want. But we don't know our right, um, our responsibilities over our rights. We have the responsibility to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. Yeah, back to the Micah passage. Justice and mercy. When we live out our lives in care of others, 
we start to have a life that really counts. When we live our lives impacting the lives of others, our life now starts to count because those around us start to have a life that's been transformed by us. So as we live out our lives generously, compassionately and caringly, we become people that make a difference in the lives of others. And that difference is where our lives start to count. Over 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, as Becky and I have cared for people, loved them, they've not been projects, they've been friends. Over that time, that care in their life has come to a point uh, where our life has counted for them. It's made a difference. Their life is better off because they know us. It's not better off because we're good at preaching or good at telling stories. It's better off because we've invested in them, we've cared for them, we've shown them justice and mercy, compassion and grace. We've held them up in prayer when they've needed holding up in prayer and we've physically held them up when they physically need holding up. If you want to have a life that counts as a follower of Jesus, then we have to turn our lives outwards not inwards. We have to care for others rather than caring for ourselves. And this is where we really start to make a difference. Make your life point towards helping others. And in that place, you'll start to live your life to the fullest. When our lives are invested in someone else, in something that counts, then we will make the impact so often we talk about our investments. What are we investing in? What are we investing our uh, money and our resources in? Uh, we want to make sure our money makes a good impact. But little often do we think about how we are investing uh, ourselves. Who am I investing in? How am I seeing change in their lives by the way that I care for them? Make your life count. Fourth and final uh, tip, point, whatever you want to call it. So the fourth is this, share what God has shown you. First, walk humbly. Second, pray for God's supernatural involvement. Three, care for others. And then we get to the fourth, share what God has shown you. There's a lot of talk, friends, about having to share our faith. And when we talk about sharing our faith, we very quickly get on to talking about evangelism. Many of us are paralysed by the idea of uh, evangelism. What I want to champion with you, if you want to make your life count as a follower of Jesus, think about it in terms of this, sharing what God has shown you. So Luke chapter 8, 39, Jesus has just healed a demon-possessed man. And then he says, return home, and tell how much God has done for you, Jesus says. So the man went away and told all over his town how much Jesus had done for him. I love this. Jesus simply says to him, go and share what has been revealed to you. Go and tell them what you have seen in this place. All we need to be doing, friends, if our lives are going to count in the lives of others, is to simply share what God has shared with us. Now, I'll tell you a story that I heard recently. It's an awesome little story. I was told this story uh, about a little girl in, in America. And this young 
girl's grandma passes away. And the little girl inherits from her grandma this beautiful little brooch. And this young girl, as she grows up, really recognises that this brooch is probably one of the only things that a grandma, she has left of her grandma. And it means a lot to her. And she loves it. But she recognises that if it's left in this little box on the shelf, then she's not appreciating it and nobody else gets to appreciate it. So she makes the decision that it's so valuable to her that she has to wear it rather than it being so valuable to her, she has to hide it. So she decides she's going to start wearing it. And so she starts wearing this brooch and people notice this brooch. And people say to her, uh, friends say, I love that brooch. Where did you get it from? Is it from an antique store? Did you buy it in a shop? Where's it from? And she's able to say, oh, my, my grandma gave it to me. My grandma meant so much to me. And this is what she did in my life. And I just want to honour her by wearing the brooch rather than hiding the brooch. People, oh, I love it. And then she's out on the tram one day and sat on the tram. Somebody comes to her and says, I, I love your brooch. That is a really nice brooch. The girl says, yeah, my grandma gave it to me. My grandma meant so much to me and she made such an impact in my life. Decided I need to wear the brooch rather than hiding the brooch. Oh, that's a great idea, they say. And now over time, more and more people just say, oh, it's a lovely brooch, lovely brooch. So she decides that she's going to make a replica of this brooch. So she uh, takes a mould of the brooch. She learns the skills of how to glue in uh, the little stones that are in the brooch. She had a little picture in the middle that was a hand-painted picture. So she learns how to hand-paint that picture. And she starts making little replicas of this brooch. And one day, her friend says, oh, I do love that brooch that you wear. I do love that brooch. And the girl says, oh, I am making replicas of the brooch. Uh, do you want one? Oh, I'd love one. So she sells this brooch to someone uh, that she knows. And then somebody else says, I love your brooch. And the next thing she knows, she sold 10 brooches. And they're wearing the brooch. And the next thing she knows, she's getting messages. Can I have a brooch? I'd love to buy one of those brooches. And this girl ends up setting up this brooch making business. She makes brooches that are replicas of the ones that her grandma gave her, but she also then diversifies and starts making other brooches. The next thing she knows, she's running a chain of stores uh, in America, selling these beautiful pieces of jewellery. She goes on to create a whole chain of jewellery stores. Now, I love it. She could have hidden the brooch. Nobody would have seen it. Would have, nobody would have known anything of it. But by wearing the brooch, she shares this beautiful thing that she has been shown by her grandma. And from it, ends up making replicas of that brooch and selling it on. And others tell others and others tell others to the point where she's now got a business making these brooches. Let's just talk about it in terms of spiritual. God has done great things for you and I. And it's possible to keep hold of those things and treasure them up in our hearts and then make absolutely no impact in anyone else's life. But if we've got something truly beautiful, then like the leper, we need to go home and we need to tell people, this greatness of what God has done for us. We need to share what God has shared for us because it is beautiful. And others need to tell others who need to tell others who need to tell others. This is not a message to be kept. 
but it's a beautiful message that is to be shared. So if you want to make your life count, make it count by sharing not somebody else's story, but your story. How have you seen Jesus at work in your life? And simply share it in whatever way you can, as simply as possible and as gently as you, you possibly can. You don't need to shout it or scream it at people. It's too beautiful to be shouted. It's too beautiful to be screamed. It needs to be told with mouths of love. So how to make your life count? Make it count by first walking humbly with God. Not being like me all over the place, but walking hand in hand with God. Second, pray for God's supernatural involvement in your life. Cry out to God for his supernatural response. Three, care for others. Turn your life into the direction of others rather than in on itself. Take care of others. Then finally, share what God has shown you. And friends, if you do that, your life will start to count because lives around you will slowly be transformed. And it may not be in I'm a history maker with changing the world, but it will change someone's world. And just one life, if you live your life in such a way that one other person's life is changed, then your life has counted because it has made the difference in somebody else's life. One life changed by you living beautifully counts because you've made it count for Jesus. So friends, I, I pray that you find that helpful. And I want to encourage you this week, walk humbly, pray for God's supernatural involvement, care for others, share what God has given you. And friends, until next time, grace and peace.